If you've been around Kansas for a long time, <laughs> kind of like me, you might remember the storm of 1984. It was a Friday in May. Uh, it was pretty close to the end of the school year. There was a dance down at the school. I went out for pizza with some friends, and as we were driving home that night, the sky just looked wrong. A little bit later, I was standing I was standing on the porch where I live right now. I was standing on the porch at my house now. I was a new Christian. I'd only been a Christian for a few months, and I'd started reading my Bible. I'd started with the Gospels, and I see this storm approaching us, and I knew what to do because I had read the Bible. So I spread my arms out, and I said, Peace, be still. And immediately we heard this horrible noise and we watched as shingles, I remember shingles and debris swirling over our heads. A tornado had hit our town. There were trees down all over town. There were roofs ripped off of buildings. There was a trailer. I believe there was a trailer even overturned. And I know this sounds incredibly naive of me, but I still remember standing there with my arms out saying, peace be still, and then finding all of this destruction around us and wondering, what did I do wrong? I mean, it, it, worked, it worked for Jesus, right? It worked for Jesus. What did I do wrong? What Did I not hold my arms right? Uh, was my voice not, not proper for that? Was it my faith? Why couldn't I stop the storm? Why, why couldn't I calm the chaos? I, I, know that's, I know that's just silly. But there are other storms that hit in life. There's storms of bad marriages and bad relationships. Storms where you trusted someone who proved to be untrustworthy. And then suddenly the chaos hits and everything feels like it is just ripped apart and turned upside down. When those storms hit, what do you, what do you hold on to? What gives you strength? What is it that calms the chaos? Luke's been taking us on a journey through his gospel, a journey with Jesus. And as Luke takes us on this journey, we get further and further from home, further and further from the safety of the familiar, further from people with whom we would feel comfortable or the disciples would feel comfortable. And Jesus is now with the sick and the sinful. He's with the burdened and he's with the broken. Luke tells us in chapter 8, verse 22, he tells us that one day he, that is Jesus, got into a boat with the disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake, <laughs> to the other side, <laughs> the far side, far from home, far from comfort, far from the familiar and far from the calm. And it's there on the other side that they meet a man who has a storm of chaos and it is raging inside him. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, 
And he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for many a time it had seized him. And he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons out into the desert. It's a strange story. It's a frightening story for several reasons. Uh, much of the tension of this story comes from the realization that chaos cannot be contained. Luke is very abrupt with us. In verse, in verse 27, we read, When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. Boom, there's your welcome wagon. No time for Jesus to sit and collect his thoughts. No time to stretch his legs to, 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 to find his balance after riding on the lake. Bam, suddenly there's demons. That's, that's the nature of chaos, though, isn't it? Chaos doesn't wait for you to be ready. It hits. It hits hard. No sooner do our feet touch the ground than we are knocked down and suddenly we are face to face with our struggles, with our trials, with a, with a diagnosis from a doctor or with a note left on the kitchen table that simply says, I'm leaving. Chaos has always been the ancient enemy. Chaos has always been the opposite of God's plan, God's order, and God's grace. It's been there from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. That's chaos right there. It's what God sought to expose and push back with those words, let there be light. And yet, the story of mankind, beginning with Adam, is the story of a battle with the chaos in our lives. Chaos that seems to control us, chaos that seems to rule us, chaos that wants to make us its own. You know, from those first verses in Genesis chapter 1, for the Jews, chaos had always been represented by the sea, by storms at sea. That Darkness would still raise up and, and terrify them from time to time. In fact, right before this story about the man with the demons, right before this story, we find that story that inspired my impotent faith back in 1984. Jesus tells the disciples, let us go across to the other side of the lake. But before they encounter the chaos on the other side, they encounter chaos in the middle. Back up just for a moment and look at Luke chapter 8, verses 23 through 25. And as they sailed, he, that is Jesus, fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him. 
Who then is this? <laughs> who indeed, who could be powerful enough to command wind and water? Who could, with a word of rebuke, calm the chaos? Suddenly, the disciples are seeing Jesus in a new light. <laughs> Let there be light, remember? Let there be light. He's the one who has saved them from the storm. Saved is one of those words we throw around a lot in church, isn't it? I mean, what, what does it mean? When you and I in, in a church say the word saved, it doesn't really mean the same thing it means to the rest of the world. The disciples were in a boat. They were saved from the storm. But what are we, what are we saved from? I think what we need to understand before anything else is that being saved means being saved from your chaos. In and of ourselves, we can't contain the chaos. We can't manage evil. I mean, look, look at what the people in the village had done to this man. Verse 29 tells us that they had kept him under guard. That didn't work. So they bound him in chains and shackles. That that didn't work. Finally, they relegated him to living among the tombs out there where the, where the dead are kept. They couldn't manage the chaos. They couldn't control the chaos. So finally, they just avoided it. Just keep him out of sight. I've seen alcoholics try to control their chaos like that. Worse, I've seen, I've seen their families try to control their chaos. I've been part of a family that tried to control that kind of chaos. Tried to keep the disease under guard. It doesn't work. Tried to lock it up. Tried to limit where it goes, when it gets out. It doesn't work. And what you're finally left with is, let's just keep it out of sight. Let's just make sure nobody sees it. Nobody knows. Just cover it up. Keep it out there among the tombs with the dead where, where no one will notice. It doesn't work, and it doesn't matter what your chaos is called, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's depression, whether it's abuse, whether it's addiction. It's beyond our control. We cannot save ourselves from it. But who is this? Even wind and water obey him. Even the chaos bows down to him. And continue on in, in verse 30. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to condemn them to depart to the abyss. And now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on a hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Verse 28, the, the demons beg, the man begs Jesus not to torment him. Verse 30, the, the demons give us a name, more of a description. They say, we are legion, for we are many. But you hear them, as many as they are, you hear them, they are terrified of Jesus. And so in verse 31, they strike a bargain. Send us into the pigs. Send us into the pigs. Now, if you know nothing else about the Jewish people, you know that pigs are unclean. You know that Pigs are to be avoided, and so chaos in the pigs. Chaos can still reign. Chaos can still be free. But then verse 33, 
Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Think for a moment. Where did the pigs go? They, they went into the lake. You mean the same lake where that storm had been just before? <laughs> yeah, that lake. Who is this? Even wind and water obey him. I stood on the porch. I stretched my arms out. I said, peace be still. And I felt the impact of that storm because it wasn't mine to control. It wasn't mine to control. And if you're like me, you've invested a lot of time in trying to control your storms. You've tried guarding them. You've tried chaining them. You've tried bargaining with them. It doesn't work. You can't control your chaos. But your chaos doesn't have to control you either. There is one who can calm the storm. There is one who can make you whole. Jesus. Jesus calms your chaos. Just a few verses back, last week we looked at Luke chapter 8, verse 16, and it's there where Jesus said, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. So that of those who enter may see the light. When we shine a light, it's not just for ourselves, it's for others, to light the way for them, to show them the way. I remind you of that. Because if we're to fully understand this story, we can't understand it just for ourselves. It's for those we know and for their chaos, for their challenges, for their storms, so that we can point them to the one who can calm the storm, so that we can point them to the one who will bring them peace. The story continues on, verse 34, when the herdsmen saw what had happened. They fled and told it in the city and in the country. The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told of how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, asked Jesus to depart from them, for they were seized with a great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. I want you to see just how backwards their reaction is here. People came running to see what had happened. And they find this man, this formerly naked, demon-possessed man, they find him dressed and in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Keep that in mind. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, that is the position and that is language that is used of disciples. Keep that in mind as we continue on through Luke in the next few weeks. That's language of disciples. Disciples sit at the feet of their master. There he is, dressed, he's saying, he's learning from Jesus. And what is their reaction now? Now they are seized with a great fear. Naked, possessed guy living in the cemetery, that's fine. They're okay with that. That's normal. 
sane guy sitting there looking normal, looking just like them, <laughs> that scares the hell out of them. If we're honest, those of you who have been consumed by chaos, you know exactly what's happening. There's an old saying, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. You know how to handle the drinking. You know how to handle the depression. You know how to handle the pornography, the infidelity. But to be clean and sober, to be, uh, to be living a solid life, what is that going to be like? What are the rules to that? How do you know you're really in control? And that possibility can scare you. That possibility can send you running back into the chaos, back into the tombs, back into the darkness. They can't handle Jesus. And so he leaves. He gets back in the boat and he returns. But first, verse 38 tells us, the man from whom the demons had gone begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. They beg Jesus to leave. But the man who's been freed from the chaos, he, he stays. And he tells his story. Jesus says, declare how much God has done for you. And he tells everyone, everyone in his neighborhood, he tells them what Jesus has done for him. If you've been simply trying to avoid your darkness, if you've been simply trying to keep it chained up, if you've tried to relegate it to one corner of your life and keep it out of sight and hope nobody notices, it's time to give that up. I mean, is that the story? Is that the story you want to tell people? I managed to hide my chaos, and you can too. Except you really can't. There's, no, there's nothing rational in that kind of story. There's nothing sane about that kind of story. And it is not the kind of story that Jesus can use. But you know, I can tell you of friends who have lived through the chaos of alcoholism and who now lead others to recovery. I could tell you about a friend who lived in the chaos of an abusive marriage and today runs a women's shelter and counsels those who are experiencing abuse. I could tell you story after story of people who took their chaos to Jesus and told their stories to others and were able to bring calm to people in the middle of their storms. If you've known his power over chaos, then you know exactly what he saved you from. You have a story to share. You have a story that can help others. The story of the one who is greater than your storm, greater than the storm that threatened to drown you, the one who brought calm, the one who restored sanity, the one who gave you peace. That's the light you need to shine. Shine that light. Tell that story. Someone you know, someone you love needs to hear it. Let's pray together. Father, I think we ought to thank you for the storms. Because when those storms have come, we have also found your peace. We have found your presence. We found your son. We found the one who says, peace be still. The one who has the power to, to, to calm the storm. 
the one who has the power to sit us down in his presence and turn us into his disciples. We love you for that. Lord, right now, as we prepare in our hearts, as we prepare to take communion, as, as we've prepared it, whether it's just crackers and juice or whatever it is that we might have, we're reminded again and again of the stories where Jesus sat down with those who would follow him, where he shared a meal, how he shared a little bit of himself. And we're reminded of that night in the upper room where he broke bread, where he poured the wine, and where he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Lord, whatever storm we're going through right now, whatever storm my friends are experiencing, I pray they know the peace that comes through the presence of Jesus. And I pray they're reminded of that right now as we partake together. It's, to, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. Go in peace today.